everyone and welcome to a special episode of That Time Went. I'm Amelia Edwards and with me is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello. Hi Barnaby. Hello. And today you've come here to tell us all about the Vikings. Yes, so this is a special episode uh, that we may be branching out into a sort of like sub-series of our mm-hmm. podcast. So for new listeners, this is not a typical episode. Typically we'd take like one particular event in history that's like a bit weird or unusual and we'd talk about it. But here we want to have a little bit of a rant. Absolutely. Sometimes things in history or understandings of things in history are just annoying. Yes, absolutely. Now, I've talked many times on this podcast about there are certain inaccuracies in kind of popular thinking about the Vikings. And today I want to particularly address as I will have put in the title of this episode, Vikings and gender politics. Fabulous. So I'm going to ask you some questions then about the Vikings, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the role of somebody who's never talked to you about Viking women before. Yes, let's let's pretend that you're interviewing me on Newsnight or something. (laughs) I was thinking something a bit more basic. Marie Claire, why not? Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, that probably makes more sense. I don't know why I'd be on Newsnight talking about Vikings. Yeah, I don't know why you'd be in Mary Claire talking oh, about Vikings. Oh, no, true. But let's pretend that, you know, this is sort of basic knowledge that yeah. um, that I have, but I don't have, you know, a master's degree in medieval Yeah, we should history. also point out that I am coming at this from very much an amateur historian perspective. I, I Unlike Amelia, I didn't do a degree in history or two degrees in history, mm-hmm. um, but since Amelia did her degrees, I became very interested in history and particularly in the Vikings. I would consider myself very well read on the subject. I'm not going to say I'm the be all and end all of uh, information about this. There are way more intelligent people who've written way better stuff, but I'm going to try and, you know, put together what I know or I consider to be relevant. Okay. So, so yeah. Let's get started then. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's start off then with thinking about um, Viking women then. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it have been the case that actually women stayed at home all the time and the men went out fighting? Yes and no. Okay. Now, Viking women had, well, Viking people had kind of clear ideas about the roles of the responsibilities of a man and a woman. Okay. And they occupied certain spheres of the culture. And the women's work did include work around the home, but it also overlapped with many of the things that men would do. If we think about the Vikings, what we have to remember is that while they did do an awful lot of raiding, what they did mostly was farming. Oh, okay. So... Part of the problem, and part of the reason that the Viking raids started was because, or at least this is a theory, was there was a population explosion and suddenly there wasn't enough good farmland to uh, feed everyone. So they started kind of going around to different places, almost like shopping for a new place to live. And that's why England was so appealing to, well, I should say Britain was so appealing to them because very fertile land. We do love our fertile land in Britain. Indeed. And the Viking women like to be fertile, apparently, if they were having this population boom. <laughs> yeah, no one seems to really know what's co- what causes that. I-, I guess it's probably just advances in technology and like better standards of living, and then suddenly it reaches a bit of a tipping point. Sure. So 
Women absolutely would be in charge of the home, but they would also be involved in farming. Okay. And they would also be involved in a very important activity for the raids, which is the making of sails. Really? Yeah. So Because I have watched the Viking series, mm -hmm. Vikings, yeah. um, <laughs> and it looked to me as though all of the boat building was done by one man. <laughs> so the building of boats was obviously incredibly important for the Vikings. The fact that they could develop these types of boats that could travel very long distances is one of the reasons that they were so successful. Sure. Now, the making of the boats themselves would be a very laborious task and generally, it seems, was undertaken by men. Okay. But the making of the sails was generally done by women because it kind of fell into the role of weaving, which was part of a woman's responsibility. But when you think about making a sail for a Viking longboat, this is not an easy task. This is about 100 square metres of fabric. That's a big loom you've got there. Yes, all being put together. It is incredibly strenuous activity. Mm -hmm. um, so any sort of idea that, you know, women would stay at home because they're weak or anything like that, absolutely not. This is tough work, but it just happens to be part of a woman's responsibilities. Okay. That's really interesting. That's not something that I've known before. No. So... Would women have been recognised for this or was the making of sails then considered to be like a lesser activity? It wouldn't have been considered a lesser activity because it was known to be so important. And in fact, many women would have like been quite successful because of their abilities to make sails or particularly with their weaving. Uh, women at home, when, when they were married and staying at home, which is yeah. a topic we'll talk about in a bit, um, they would frequently kind of set up side businesses. So they would make excess clothes or do anything with excess material and sell it on and become entrepreneurs in their own right. Okay. And it afforded them a great deal of freedom because Viking society has very much this code of personal honour. So the ability to successfully run your own business was seen as a point of pride for you as an individual as well as part of your family okay so basically like these women were out there hustling making that money yeah doing their etsy type side businesses absolutely i mean 100 percent. they would love a sort of viking etsy <laughs> awesome <laughs> but yeah and they would be recognized for this cool because right. of that whole idea of personal honor mm. because women absolutely feature in that way as much as men do and i've got to say if they're uh, benefiting it from it in a capitalist kind of way, that is one way of seeing that women are being recognised. Exactly. Instead of it being like, oh, so yeah. this is just something that you're expected to do. Yeah, when we kind of look back through the sagas, which is one of our main sort of sources of knowledge about the Vikings, we see that these sort of side businesses very much are considered to be the circle and sort of property of the woman, not of the man. Okay. So... This this is a distinctive ownership. It's not the man rules the family, therefore everything is his. Yeah. That is really interesting. Okay, so we've got our women at home mm -hmm. with their online businesses. Yep. Um, would they have to stay at home, though? Were they able to travel? Yes and no. And this is a particularly interesting thing about uh, the sort of Viking culture for women. It's about when you have your opportunities to do things. So the Vikings kind of 
had this very strong distinction between married and unmarried woman. Okay. They were very different people and were like, it was the idea was that they would do very different things. An unmarried woman had a ridiculous amount of freedom okay. in comparison to, say, uh, a woman in medieval times in a different culture. It was considered quite normal and even encouraged in many places for young women to go traveling. In fact, they would also they would sometimes go traveling with men, and so, there's some records of uh, women going on raids as well. Okay. We don't know exactly if they went on raids to fight or if they just kind of went for the travel. Um, the the idea of the woman warrior, the sort of the shield maiden, is one that exists. It's quite popular in popular culture. Mm-hmm. The evidence for it is a bit hit and miss. Mostly it comes from like fantastical and mythological sources. Okay. Um, but the very fact that these stories are there does kind of suggest that, you know, audiences listening to these stories would be familiar with the concept of the shield maiden or the warrior woman. Okay. But in any case, we've got this idea of like, almost, I guess, a gap year type thing. Like before you get married, you go Hmm. see a bit of the world. Absolutely. Then you come back, settle down, start your Etsy business. Yeah. And this is the part where they like, they don't have the freedom is they're still very much bound by the uh, common rules of marriage. Okay. And that included the fact that they would probably be married off by their father. Mm. So they don't have absolute freedom in like, if they want, they can just go off and do traveling for the rest of their lives. They're generally expected that they're going to do this for a bit and then come back and set up a family, have many children and get, get their Etsy business going. Yeah, have many children, overpopulate Scandinavia, yeah. encourage more raids to happen. Yeah. yeah. And at that point though, it, it kind of, they go into this separate sphere of responsibilities and they, they wouldn't have time for traveling. They've got a lot to do. To be honest, if I'm a Viking woman raising my 10 children yeah. with my sail making and mm-hmm. my spare cloth industry thing yep. going on, I think I'd be knackered. Yeah. I, I think, like, yeah, gen- genuinely, you wouldn't have time to do much. Even if you were noble, you would still kind of have estates to run and you would have workers to manage, some of whom admittedly are slaves. Um, mm, but, but, you know, it's still hard work, guys, yes. even if you're basically a southern belle. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, that doesn't exclude you from doing physical work. You would still be working. Uh, on your loom doing weaving because that was the sort of very proper ladylike thing to do. Yeah. And you have to remember that these are not advanced bits of machinery. This is some very primitive stuff that would have taken a great deal of effort to use. Can I add something at this point? Yeah, um, Which is, there's a line in Beowulf, mm-hmm. which obviously is about the Anglo-Saxons rather than the Vikings, but we're still talking about the same kind of... Yeah, there's a great deal of crossover. Um, which... Is interesting, I think, because it's like Beowulf was written down in a Christian country, but it was mm. originally spoken and, yeah. and recited by pagans. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit which says that the Lord was weaving a victory on his war loom. Ah, interesting. Yes. Now, that actually that makes a lot of sense to me because of the relationship between the chief of the Aesir, the chief of the gods, Odin, mm-hmm. and gender. Okay. Because Odin is kind of seen as a bit of a non-binary figure in some circles. Really? I thought he was this, like, old guy with a massive golden eye patch. Well, 
Okay, he's not Anthony Hopkins. But everything's uh, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. He does crop up anywhere. He will He will do any film offered to him. Jesus, he will. Much Calm like Malcolm down, McDowell. Um, but no. So, oh, yes, Odin is definitely very masculine, but he also has these distinctly feminine traits. Okay. Now, in the stories the Vikings tell, the role of magic is very much a female occupation. Okay. So, like, I guess you're you're spending all your time in your home. You might as well, at the same time as weaving all of your sails and additional Mm -hmm. cloth, also do a bit of magic. Why not? Yes. But, I mean, sort of the ideas of Viking witchcraft and that sort of stuff, we generally have uh, practitioners of it, are women. Okay. But Odin is kind of seen as the god of magic and witchcraft. Okay. And it is distinctly noted in one of the stories that Loki, the trickster god, mocks Odin for being feminine because of the way he practices magic. Loki's not really in a position to mock Odin for being feminine. Not when he turned himself into a female horse and had sex with another horse and gave birth to a six-legged horse. I mean, yes, but... Loki doesn't worry about hypocrisy. I guess not. Loki gonna loke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, God, like the chief god weaving on his war loom, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me because the loom was also sometimes attributed to spells. Okay. Like people, like weaving spells was quite a literal thing in some ways. And it also has links to the Valkyries who were sometimes uh, seen depicted as weaving uh, patterns of battle oh, wow. on looms okay. together. There's one particular story in which an individual finds himself at a an abandoned hut mm. and he sees a bunch of women going in towards it. And he's like, I'm going to investigate this. And he goes inside and sees a bunch of these women who are Valkyries working on this massive loom. Okay. And at first he's like, there's something weird here. And he takes a closer look and notices that they're weaving using swords, spears, and arrowheads, and they're weaving with intestines. Oh my god. That is hardcore. Yeah. And also, it's so interesting that the Valkyries seem a bit like the fates. Yes, very much so. Well, I mean, Valkyrie means chooser of the slain. Yeah. So in in some versions of the story, they're kind of almost told who to pick. Yeah. Like they're they're almost mechanical or robotic in that nature. In other versions, Valkyries very much are given the option to choose this person's going to die, this person's going to die, and this person is. Uh, In some versions of the story, they even actually, like, will fly in the sky and shoot people with arrows in order to make sure they die. Okay, so we've got some, like, powerful mythological ladies there. Um, Obviously, though, we find powerful mythological ladies in ancient Greek mythology as well Mm, and the ancient Greeks weren't super good when it came to ladies if we look at the Athenians at least but we do also have other sorts of sources as well and one of them is particularly the legal system Okay, let's let's talk about Viking legalities then, because in my mind, um, in my completely not knowing anything about the Vikings' <laughs> mind, uh, it's all like Wild West-style chaos. Yeah, no. Vikings <laughs> absolutely loved law and order. Their judiciary, oh, <laughs> yeah, their judiciary system was like one of the cornerstones of their culture. Okay. Um, we're particularly talking at this point about Icelandic Vikings um, because we have the most records and they have like proper legal channels that you can go through in order to like solve disputes or anything like that. 
and one of them, one of the things that we can sort of look at for how women are treated by the society is what happens with divorce proceedings. Do they get the men to stand in a hole? No. And then hit them with a sock and a no. brick? Now, it seems like in Viking society, divorce was kind of not a big deal. Okay. Which is interesting when you consider how important it is that you want to marry off your daughters. But apparently divorce is kind of seen as almost like a ah oh, well shit happens rather than <laughs> you fail to make your marriage work. Okay. So it was still somewhat difficult for a woman to get divorced from purely practical reasons. Yeah. Um, because I want to stay in my house with all of my Exactly, cloth. exactly. But there were legal... Uh, like proceedings? Proceed, legal proceed. There were legal proceedings that could help out. Now... While you could kind of get divorced at the drop of a hat, and there's this really horrible story in, in one of the sagas in which this old man is being really lecherous at a feast on this young woman, and oh. his wife goes over to him and is like, um, I'd rather you didn't do that, and he just divorces her immediately. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really grim. But if you can prove that I, that you as a woman divorce your husband for legitimate reasons okay. and there are a great many list of things that can be considered legitimate reasons then you were entitled to basically half of his stuff okay so while there would have been very many unhappy marriages because you know it's always going to be like that yeah the viking law recognizes that you don't have to stay in that situation that mm -hmm. you have some like agency in what you do within your marriage see it's super interesting because currently the divorce laws in the uk are a bit behind that yeah they are a bit in many ways i would describe the vikings as more progressive than we are today <laughs> and particularly with trans people but barnaby i thought that trans people didn't exist until 10 years ago <laughs> Oh yeah, of course, I forgot. Yeah, well, uh, let's ignore that. No. Um, no, so Viking society, while I've said, you know, there are a great many things that are egalitarian about it, it still is very much a patriarchal society. Yeah. Being a man was basically the standard. Sure, I mean, well, after all, 90% of all people are men. <laughs> no, okay. But you know what I mean? If you think about, like, some, like, a typical member of Viking society, you think of a man or, yeah. like, very masculine based things. Yeah. But the Vikings also may well, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think the evidence is very much in its favor. They recognized that what made a man was not necessarily the sex you were born into. Okay. Now, we've talked before about how historians and archaeologists find grave sites and frequently make judgments based on the sex of the person who is buried. Yes, or the perceived sex. Or the perceived sex, absolutely. Because you get those burial sites there where you get, like, the person with weapons and armor, and it's like, ah, oh, this man was a great warrior. Mm -hmm. And then they do research on the body, and it's like, oh, this was a woman. This was a woman who loved her warrior boyfriend. Exactly, exactly. But what we, we do have instances of these sorts of graves uh, in archaeological sites yeah. that would suggest a very different story. Now, firstly, some of these graves do not involve a man and a woman. 
Okay, uh, so it's not coupley. No, there's a particularly famous one, uh, which I think is the Osberg burial, which actually has the ship that we saw in the Viking Ship Museum. I did love that ship. It's a good ship, and it belonged to two women. Yes. One of whom it was believed was a noble woman, mm-hmm. and one of whom was uh, presumably like a handmaiden who may have been sacrificed to go with her yeah. into the world beyond. But one of the important things is that this woman was buried with the accoutrements of a warrior. Yes. Now, there are many theories about this, but we can go back to the sagas for a potential explanation. Okay. There is one particular story, and I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it, which is very annoying, Mm -hmm. but it's a story about this young woman who basically she's she's been living her life doing her, like, adventuring days as a young woman. Yeah. And she goes to her parents and is like, I feel this is more me. I would like to be considered a man now. Okay. From that moment on in the saga, she is given a male name, Mm -hmm. and he is now referred only by male pronoun. Okay. So while Viking society was very patriarchal, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, you had to have a penis in order to be a man. Yeah, okay. So there is this distinct possibility that there were quite a few Viking warriors who were women, or at least were assigned women. Yeah, I can see that. Um, So there is a suggestion that I have from the modern day that Mm -hmm. could translate to this. Okay. So one of the countries in Eastern Europe, and I cannot remember which one, um, I think it might be Armenia, Mm -hmm. um, has that for centuries had a tradition that's currently dying out um, that among the shepherding communities, women could choose to become male. Yeah. Um, And the idea with this was that they were then expected to live a life of complete chastity, Mm. but in exchange for that, they were completely treated as male and had male names and were called by male uh, pronouns and so on. So... Obviously, some of these people were probably uh, cisgendered women who saw this as a life yeah, of freedom. Absolutely. But there is also a lot of potential for trans people mm. within this like framework. Yeah, I think what I kind of see from these sorts of stories and from these sorts of grave sites is not so much like absolute confirmation of one thing or another but it's Mm. a bit like the idea of the shield maiden what it suggests to me is that these are not unnatural ideas to the vikings no the concept of gender to them is not completely fixed on you know what genitals you're born with or anything like that and i guess this would make sense if you look at the way that they treat odin as being sort of a little bit in between yeah absolutely i think for Vikings, they kind of recognise that gender is not a binary and it's more complicated than that. But at the same time, they were just chill about it. Like I said with the saga, at that point on, he is now a man. He now has this name mm-hmm. and is never referred to by anything else. And that may also be one of the reasons why uh, shield maidens are not like particularly well-sourced in the sagas. It may well be that most of the what we'll we'll say are women who are fighting are considered men. It's almost as if being a warrior is a third gender. Yeah, okay. I mean, the thing is, I can really see that because that would again be like being a shepherd in... Yeah, exactly. Possibly Armenia, not sure. Um, 
but yeah, this sort of idea that a particular state of being mm. um, is fine, yeah. I guess, like is just like um, something that people don't really need to talk about because it's unremarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've established the Vikings were fairly woke. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which really goes against those people who tend to use Viking symbols and ideas nowadays to sort of promote things like white supremacism because they are out there and I hate them. Um, <laughs> they but... are. Should we just go up to them and accuse them of using magic in a particularly Finnish way? <laughs> Finvitska. Finvitska. Yes. Um yeah, maybe this maybe this is the thing. Maybe we need to promote like woke Vikingism well, among the among yeah. the community. Be like, okay, guys, we're going to be like the Vikings because they were totally trans accepting, as far as we know. As, and, yeah, and it also suggests they were quite accepting of differing sexualities as well. They were not like they didn't view anything other than heterosexual as awful. For example, mm. there's quite a lot of ideas about love in like. Uh, homosexual love yeah uh, male and female anything like that there are certain things that it doesn't work quite so well on okay like the uh, if you've got two gay men for example the bottom was very much seen as quite a dishonourable man I see so we're going with the Greek idea here except not as creepy yes absolutely (laughs) yeah no it, it, it was just basically considered if you're doing that you weren't a particularly honourable person. Okay. So, but but it wasn't the act, like, it wasn't the act itself. It wasn't sodomy was outlawed or anything yeah. like that. It was just, if you're taking it, oh, no, that's not good. So you probably better <laughs> keep that hidden behind doors as to who tops and who bottoms. This okay. is a debased conversation that suddenly. Is, that has gone suddenly <laughs> grim. Although, like, from, from some conversations with our gay friends who are on Grindr, aren't there some, like, odd stereotypes about tops and bottoms among the gay community in any case. I mean quite possibly. I'm certain there are. <laughs> I'm not I'm not active on Grinder, so I'm not <laughs> sure I could say. But <laughs> anyways, um I think that Alright, so we've talked about Viking women at home. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the fact that Viking women could travel as well mm-hmm. and might have been fighting or might have been trans people who are fighting. Yep. I think though the big question really is about the main thing that everyone knows about Vikings. Yeah. That the Vikings were rapists and pillagers. Right. Like, that's kind of the two things people know about Vikings. Yeah. Um, so did the Vikings then leave this, like, respective women at home when they went a-pillaging? No. The culture seems, from what we know, to have been very anti-rape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to the point where the Christian chroniclers who even the, these are people who the Vikings attacked and are painting them in a bad light, they make no mention of this whatsoever. It doesn't really happen very much in the sagas. If it does, it is the actions of a particularly evil character. Uh, there are very strong punishments in the judiciary system for rape. Mm-hmm. And there are many sort of things that they sort of constitute as that or as what you might just call sexual assault sure okay um which even includes inappropriate touching um because you know vikings gonna be woke i mean why are they why are they more woke than the current british government I what's don't going know. on i don't know it's insane but yeah um i mean i'm not gonna say obviously it never happened or anything yeah. like that because 
We know it happens behind closed doors and all that kind of thing. Yeah, there are going to be awful things happening all the time. But it seems, from what we can suggest, that the Vikings, like, the incidence of rape was probably significantly less than Christian cultures of the same era. Okay, I mean, yeah, because the thing is that the Christian chroniclers also tend to chronicle some violent rapes that happened when people were sieging cities besieging yeah. cities rather um and they're talking about the christians doing it yeah yeah but for the vikings it doesn't seem to really be a thing that they went to want to do like <laughs> i mean the thing is that they've already got their like strong as all hell women back mm. home and also if they're like if they're openly gay as well then they yeah. don't really need it do they <laughs> i think that I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure where this idea comes from. I think it's I, th- I think it's kind of born of this idea of, you know, they're very strong, they're powerful, masculine people. And as they become Christianized, they kind of become mythologized and people are like, oh, they, this is back when men were strong and powerful and everything like that. Because rape is a tool of power. Yeah. That's like, that's what we know about it. So I think at the time, because it wasn't, because in a way they were a society that were very comfortable with themselves, Mm. I don't think it would have really been that much of a thing. I guess the thing is that the way I kind of see it is that there is still this like mythology. And I apologize that we're like for our listeners that we're talking about rape so much, but I think it's an important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to put a little warning in the. Yeah, I I think so. Um, But like. I think that there's a tendency for people to create this myth around it that it's something that happens with strangers, mm-hmm. um, violent men yeah. in the past. Like it was a way of accusing black men of doing mm. things. Um, I think it's something where you kind of go, oh, it's other people. Yeah. Um, and I guess the thing is that Vikings are always like very other to whatever we're yeah, looking true. at. So it's that kind of idea like, oh, the Vikings were like really violent and scary. And it's something I get really irate about actually when it turns up as a point in medieval style dramas. Mm-hmm. People are always like, oh, but of course it happened all the time. And I'm like, yes, but it still does. And yeah. you don't show it all the time on modern shows. Yeah. So, like, as far as I'm aware, the incidence of it has not gone down significantly. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a stupid bullshit argument that's yeah. an excuse for people to to like shoot smutty stuff. As far as I'm concerned, I get very angry about it. To be yeah. honest. No, I think I think it's it's an absolutely fair point, and it is something to get annoyed about, especially because. Like I said earlier, people, there are some real assholes who use the Vikings as like, oh my God, this is what society should be. And you Mm. always look at it and go, these people don't know anything about the Vikings. No. (laughs) Because, like I say, there are people like, obviously they have like internal struggles and everything like that. But generally, the culture is very, is quite free and accepting. And as such, you don't tend to see quite so many, you know, people trying to cement their power in the world. Yeah. Like, you don't get incels. Because... <laughs> because no one's allowed to stay in a room with a computer by themselves. Well, yes, there is that. But there's too much to do. There's farming to be done. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> there's farming to be done. There's sales to be weaved. There is a suggestion, I think, that I've seen in a lot of different places, that mm. nomadic-type societies, and granted the Vikings are only, like, semi-nomadic, Yeah. but nomadic societies tend to have fewer issues with 
a lot of um, things that settled societies do. So, for instance, nomadic societies never have um, witch trials or mm. issues with witchcraft. I think that this comes down to kind of a practicality point. I think that when you start settling down, your population starts to massively increase. Yeah. This is what we see throughout history. So if you are nomadic, or even like semi-nomadic, as the Vikings were, then you've got to kind of, you've got to make use of everyone you've got. You don't have time to, like, start accusing people of witchcraft in order to, like, have them executed or anything like that Mm. because you need that person to get the harvest in. And you also don't have time to be an absolute arsehole either. Yeah. Like, and if you are, it's kind of easy to get rid of people like that, to be honest. Like... So I think there is there's there's a lot to be said for this sort of lifestyle. <laughs> Obviously, like I've presented quite a sort of grand and positive picture and like I said before, this is bearing in mind that I'm not an expert in this. I'm drawing conclusions from what I've seen. And of course, the Vikings were an incredibly varied people because the term Viking doesn't even really mean very much. No. Um like you're talking about Scandinavia as a whole plus Britain plus Ireland, plus Iceland, Greenland, the Faroe Islands, parts of North America. Yep. And then wherever else they went throughout the world, which is pretty much everywhere. Yeah, oh my God, so many places. Yeah. So, of course, cultures are going to be quite different and trying to generalise anything about them is particularly difficult. But I think the generalised idea that is typically depicted, as you mentioned, the sort of raping and pillaging... We just have no evidence of that whatsoever. What we do have evidence of is a people who had set, did have set ideas about like spheres in which the different genders would operate, Mm -hmm. but also recognized that there was significant overlap between them. Yeah. And that they had a system in place that allowed people to kind of be themselves without forcing them to do one thing or the other. Okay. Should we do a conclusion then? I think so. I mean, this is kind of what I've, I'm doing with this, is just sort of wrapping it up with mm-hmm. the fact that the Vikings were ultimately practical mm-hmm. and they were ultimately farmers and settlers as much as they were, if not more, than they were warriors. Yeah. And that leads to a lot of practical considerations. And it's hard when you are dealing with, like, necessity to really be super sexist because you need women. <laughs> you need women, you need men, you need people in general. And if you're going to start bullshitting around, then you're not going to get anywhere. So, I think to wrap up then, what I've learned today is that the Vikings were super woke. Yep. Uh, Viking women were making that mad dollar. Yep. And f*** Nazis. Yes, pretty much. Yes, let's end it on that. <laughs> so, thank you so much for listening to our special episode of That Time When. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you'd like to, you can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4, or you can email us with some more suggestions about rants or ideas for a normal type show mm-hmm. on ttwpod at gmail.com I'll probably be coming back to this subject again because there's so much to talk about and we have just scratched the surface but I think we'll leave it for now and we'll do another rant another time bye bye